Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, how to get 20, 20, 20, how to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So, Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Here we go, here we go, here we go, here we go, this is it. This is Top Flight Time Machine. I am Andy Hotbody Dawson. Pow, pow, pow. I'm Sam Nifty Delaney. So what? Welcome along to the Friday morning episode. Um, I just had a quick look at the mailbag mm. before we started, Sam. And there's one that stood out, which I quite enjoyed, so I'll just get stuck in with it and start with it straight away. It oh, okay. comes from Liam. And Liam says, are you still taking this and that stories? <laughs> Fucking yeah. Always. Always. Yeah. Uh, he says, I'm still only up to the April 2021 episode, so not sure. If so, I've got one. Recently on hol- holiday in Tenerife, I asked a bar showing sport to put the Sunderland match on as they were on Sky. It was the painful 3-3 with Wickham. He said yes, only to put on Crystal Palace in the FA Cup. When I politely lamparded him that it was the wrong match, he said... Ah, it's no problem. It's like Sunderland, but different, no? <laughs> <laughs> it was sorted by an English bar worker, but by full time I was half wishing he hadn't bothered. So there we go. I like that. Very good. Sunderland, yeah, it, Palace. It's all the same. We've um, we've missed our this and that, mainly because it's been... Um, it's been, there's no one been on holiday to distant Atland for too long, have they? Been the off season yeah. as well, hasn't it, recently? Some yeah. people have attempted holidays. Um, holidays feel as though they could be doable this year. Yeah, I've like been browsing. I've been, I've been allowing myself to uh, look at a few few places that I fancy. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, it feels, it feels doable. A bit of a risk, but yeah. I almost called an emergency pod yesterday. A war pod? A war pod, yeah. Um, tin in our tin helmets. Uh, it's breaking, you know. Like remember on Brass Eye when they go, it's war, and they're like, yeah. just so delighted. I yeah, I was working at ITN at Five News in whatever it was, two thousand and three, uh, when we went mm. to war in Iraq. And I'm fucking yeah. serious, right? There's there's certain journalists in an environment like that who their whole life has been building yeah. up to covering a war because I can fully imagine a war it's no coincidence mate that the word war is part of the word award yeah <laughs> yeah i just i just noticed that now but you. it's actually an you. amazing satirical observation um they were fucking and a lot I, I, of these i could almost see you I can see you on mock of the week striding up towards that microphone yeah, in the middle absolutely that yeah line. get me booked um yeah, I just think that, you know, I remember seeing it and I found the whole thing rather unsavoury because there was yeah. a sort of a... And I get it, you know, this is what news reporting is about, you know, bringing this sort of stuff to the world. So I'm mm-hmm. not saying it's com- it's completely, you know, unethical or bad, but there was almost too much excitement. Like, yes, get in! Wartime! Mm-hmm. Brilliant! Get exactly. me out there! War Christmas! I am... Um, I must have told you this before, but I was 
uh, I I was appointed the um, ITN's anti-war correspondent in the build-up to the war, right? So it was sort of like trying to follow the uh, Stop the War Coalition, the huge protests, you know, that million-person mm. march that took place in London, etc., yeah. etc., um, it wasn't, you know, I wasn't obviously positioning myself as anti-war, although, you know, I, I was, I suppose, but it was like I was supposed, they wanted to dedicate me to just covering that side of things. So I did it for a few weeks and it went down quite well and it was covered in, in the Press Gazette, which at the time was still a thing. I got a call from um, uh, some sort of executive at the BBC, no lie, mm. right, saying, mm. I'm, yeah. I'm, BBC exec- I'm Sir John, BBC executive. <laughs> <laughs> I've seen some of your work on, uh, on, on Five News and we, we like the cut of your gym. We're making a documentary for a new channel we have called BBC Three. It is called The Hunt for Bin Laden. It is aimed at young people. We would like you to come in to discuss fronting this. And I was literally like, <laughs> do what, mate? And he was like, we would like you to come in to discuss BBC Three, then, as now, really, was trying hard to sort of make news stories accessible to young people. Now, young people are all over the fucking news. They love it. They can't stop fucking banging on about it. But back then, it was going for a period where no one was engaged in anything other than pop culture, right, amongst Mm. the young generation. So BBC Three was trying really, really hard. And because I was still young and didn't wear a suit when I did reporting, they thought, oh, just the ticket. And uh, they said, yeah, so it's going to be called The Hunt for Bin Laden. And I said, well, what what does this encompass, may I ask? And they said, it involves going with a very experienced production team, camera crew, to the Tora Bora Caves in Afghanistan. Wow. And hiking about and Mm. uh, finding tribes people, members of the Taliban, so on and so forth, asking them, have you Generally seen Bin Laden about what's yeah. the story, what's his game? Yeah. <laughs> I thought, and you think I'm the cunt for this job, do you? And they went, well, we think it could be an interesting thing. Obviously, you know, there'll be a big production team who are driving a lot of the journalism. You'll be the, the front man. I said, well, um, I've never done anything like this. I mean, the shit you're seeing me do, I'm bowling around London, basically speaking to fucking left-wing, sandal-wearing peaceniks, right? This is, and then uh, I get to the, get the go home and have me tea, have I me get, sausages get, at the end of it. I, I go home and have a fucking sausage and watch The Simpsons at the end of the day, right? <laughs> it's fucking dreamland, what mate. What you're proposing, What you're on the proposing other hand. is fucking far away from Sainsbury's Taste of Different Sausages, <laughs> right? <laughs> and uh, <laughs> to be honest, I shat myself. And um, because I... I thought, well, it was a turning point, like you get sometimes. I thought, well, this is an opportunity. If I want to be a journalist, there's so many journalists. I mean, I knew where I was working at ITN, there was people who fucking dreamt of that sort of an offer, right? Mm. And uh, and would be way better qualified than me to do it. But, you know, BBC, their angle, I still had long hair, my hair hadn't fallen, fallen out. And they just thought, yeah, this, this person suits what we're trying to do. And mm. so uh, I called, I had an agent at the time. And I said, what do you think? And I was hoping she'd say, yeah, it's not really the direction we're taking your career in. Uh, we don't really do it. And she went, well, obviously you have to do it. Then she sent oh. around by courier a load of books by John Simpson, 
you know, the famous fucking foreign correspondent. Fella, yeah. And I was like, what the fuck am I supposed to do with this? She went, just read them. Read them all tonight and it will really inspire you all and make them. you want to do it, right? So, I, I mean, obviously I couldn't read them all in one night, but I had a right good fucking skim through them all. And I can tell you by the morning, I wasn't more enthusiastic about hunting for Bin Laden. I was fucking less. Because <laughs> every fucking story in the book is him being held up at gunpoint at a border, right? Or fucking pistol whipped and having his passport nicked. I thought, ah, oh, no, it was bad enough that time I went into railing and the fucking dodgy fucking ticket bloke on the train in the Costa Brava fucking tried to take our passports. I could hardly well, deal with that without having a breakdown. Where do we get to the bit where John Simpson has some nice sausages? <laughs> I've read these books, you sent me. They're not a single bit about sausages. I went to the index and I looked through it. S, S. Right, all I could see was Sierra Leone, right, and a fucking Syria, <laughs> and a bunch of other fucking scary things, right? But not one sausage, not in the old book. Yeah, scary, scary things is one of the listings so, in the index. There was about 50 entries for scary things. <laughs> yeah. Uh, they said, then next thing, they go, right, we're going to send you on hostile environment training, right, which all journalists who go in the field have to do. God, Jesus Christ. And it's like X fucking... And uh, anyway, cut long so short, I told a few people, I canvassed opinion, all of my mates, like my bloke mates, and I remember my my Italian cousin was in London at the time, and he was like, listen to me, smoking his cigarette, and I was hoping for him to do the this and that, and go, why you have to do, why you do that? It's not, you stay home, eat the sausage. <laughs> stay home. You, you have a nice sausage and stay at home. I was thinking he's fucking nailed on because he'll just see what's the point. That sounds like a right asshole. And he listened to the whole thing with through narrowed eyes. And he went, Sam, <laughs> you must go. <laughs> I was for, like, for your, for your people, for your country, for the world, <laughs> yeah. you must go. You, you must uh, hunt for Bin Laden. It is a great one-off opportunity. <laughs> and I was like, I don't fucking want to hunt for Bin Laden. <laughs> I want to go. I want to carry. At the time, I was writing about music, right, for the Guardian and the NME, and I was like, I just want to interview Black Rebel Motorcycle Club. I get to go and see them in their hotel uptown. I just want to go hang around with the pigeon detectives. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And it was like a funny dual existence, and it was like a crossroads because I sort of stumbled into that kind of news journalism. But really, I enjoyed writing about music and films and stuff. And luckily, the only person who was adamant I shouldn't go was my then good girlfriend, now good wife. Mm. And she just went... The only person whose opinion really matters. Yeah, she went, look, she wasn't like, you cannot go, because she's not like that. She went, listen, I'd be worried about you. You might die, right? Uh, But more than that, she went, you just wouldn't enjoy it because it's not your passion. Like you're not, it's a great opportunity for someone whose passion it was to go into mm. foreign, you know, in, investigative uh, foreign affairs journalism, right? Yeah. Uh, that's never been you from day one. And now you feel under pressure because you think if you say no, you're basically turning your back on being a journalist, but you're just turning your back on being fucking John Simpson. And John Simpson's the last cunt you're ever going to fucking be. Let's be honest here. Yeah. Right. Or even Nick Broomfield. But yeah, Nick exactly. It's just, well, be, I mean, I'd, I'd be up for doing a bit of Biggie and Tupac, you know. Yeah. And I did yeah, make sort of stuff. investigative documentaries for the BBC subsequent to that. Um, but they weren't 
about they weren't hanging around in a fucking hostile environment in some fucking caves looking for the world's most dangerous terrorist, right? Yeah. That wasn't what it was. And and in actual fact, then the war kicked off. And uh, by this stage, I'd said, no, nah, thanks all the same, but I'll leave it. Thank you very much for seems asking. A bit, seems a bit tasty over there. Nah, I, think they got, I think they got Raggy Omar to do it. But, you know, I got to interview the darkness. So psh, who was the real winner? Yeah, cool. right? who's, the and real, I who's the real winner? As far as I know, Raggy Omar never fucking got a sniff of finding Bin Laden. Right. Um, so he failed. It, I wouldn't have done, but I just yeah, chose not Americans to do it. Yeah, the Americans had to do it, as I, usual. I had no problem finding the darkness. We arranged to meet in a pub, and I turned up, and there they were. Um, but the, I think that um, the the war started, and there was a there was a young lad who I know this sounds like the beginning of a rhyme of a limerick. <laughs> there was a young mm, lad I who hope went it was. To, who went to a war. Um, no, it was, it was a show. This is actually quite sad. He was really, he was a, this nice lad. Um, I, I probably won't say his name out of respect for his family, but he he uh, he was working in the newsroom. And when that million person march happened, they sent me to cover it. But they were expecting a lot of aggro. And one of the producers said, "You need to send a back watcher with with Sam because when you're in big crowds." You'll, I'll, for instance, turn my back to the crowd as it's marching in amongst loads of people, and a camera right. will be walking, you know, in front of me, and I'll be walking backwards with the mic, giving a fucking going. Well, here we are right. in London. A million people have turned that. They're all very angry. Sad the lady, right? And um, they said, look, you know, sometimes there's aggro at these things. There's a lot of ill feeling towards the media at the moment, and sometimes journalists mm. get targeted. And, you know, big news organisations like ITN, they do have people who they can send along as effectively a bit of security. Muscle. And the, and you know what? The uh, the bloke who was in charge of the of the programme, he was a nice guy, but like most of the people, they was quite posh. You know, they're all kind of a bit public school, a lot of the top ones. And he went, ha, ha, come, come. He went to this producer, look, we don't have the budget to send security on, on you know, peace protests. Uh, and quite, he went quite aside for anything else. I'm sure if there's any aggro that breaks out, it's nothing worse than sad deals with on a weekly basis at Upton Park. And I looked at him and I thought, he literally thinks, because I'm the only cunt in this newsroom who didn't go to some fucking beeping Timmy public school, right? Yeah. That he doesn't need to send security because I'm such a seasoned bar brawler. So if I get attacked by radicals, I'll just fucking stick the nut on all of them. And I was like, oh, yeah, that's, uh, okay. I was like, that's just that's just natural instinct for you people. Yeah, isn't he's it? A, he, he was he was raised to fight, fight he, or flight. As far as I understand it, he's part of the travelling community. They have their children fight for their entertainment from before they can even walk. Right. So I was a bit like, oh, and I thought like, oh, I'm flattered that you think I'm tough. But I'm not that tough. And, but at the same time, I can see you're not going to pay for a guard. So anyway, this lad who was just doing work experience, he was only a couple of years younger than me, and he actually was a really posh guy, but he was really nice. He put his hand up and he went, I'll go with Sam. He was a big bloke too, right? Looked like he'd sort right. of, you know, been, you know, very eaten rifles, sort of he like. played a lot of rugby. All that rugby put his hairs <laughs> on chest. But he was a nice bloke. Yeah. And he put his hand up and he said, I'll go. I'd, I'd appreciate the experience, and, I, and I'm very happy to uh, watch Sam's back the whole, whole day. Good for him. Didn't get paid, came along, 
Lovely bloke. Jalapeño. Here's a brief but annoying message to let you know that you wouldn't be hearing this brief but annoying message if you were a subscriber to our Iron Filing Society Patreon offering. For the price of a pint and a St. Clements each month, you can get up to four episodes a week, nine months before the rest of the world gets them. Early access to regular episodes, lots of other marvellous benefits, and there's absolutely no adverts or brief but annoying messages like this that will get right on your tits. Find out more and subscribe now at tftimemachine.com slash ironfilings. Jalapeño. How would you like to look five years younger? In a clinical study, people that had volume added with Juvederm Voluma XC in the cheeks perceived themselves as looking five years younger at six months after treatment. Look younger, feel like you. Add volume for lift and contour in the cheeks with Juvederm Voluma XC. Reverse signs of aging by adding volume to smooth laugh lines with Juvederm Volur XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Jalapeño. The sad part of the story is I really liked him. We you know became mates after that. He he was he was desperate to be the sort of journalist that I had decided that I didn't want to be, right? He wanted yeah. to be John Simpson. And he was right. waiting to get an opportunity at ITN and he, he, it wasn't coming quickly enough for him. So in the end, he got he, he begged the boss of the station to give him accreditation as an ITN journalist. And then he, paid, mm. he bought himself a camera and he paid his own way and went to Baghdad to cover, wow. the, to create his own stories on a freelance basis and sell them. But, you know, to, mm. to, to news companies in England and America, right? And I thought, fucking hell, that's really brave. And it's really gutsy and it shows a huge amount of initiative, right? Mm. And this is what he wants to do. He was basically doing the opposite of what I did. I'd turn something down because I wanted yeah. my sausages and he'd sort of thought, well, I'm not getting the chance, so I'm going. Um, anyway, it's really sad for a podcast like this, but he'd been out there a couple of weeks and one day he was just walking out of the library in Baghdad and someone just came up and shot him dead. Fucking hell. Yeah. Jesus Christ. Just shot him dead. Just someone stepped out of a crowd. He, he looked, I think the thing was, he looked, because of his demeanour and his size, I think, and yeah. his haircut, you know, he looked like, he looked very military. He looked like the sort military, of like you could yeah. imagine being fucking yeah. special forces. He was very, he was, he was a handsome lad. He was, you know, six foot three, big shouldered, cropped hair. You know, he looked like fucking James Bond, right? Mm-hmm. And he, And I think he just, at the time, in, in these places, there were a lot of fucking rebel factions and just taking out Americans or Brits. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. And uh, and that's what happened. And I was in the newsroom when the, when it came through, 
and there was a lot of running for cover because it reflected badly on them that they'd they'd given him accreditation so he could go and do his thing but they hadn't actually paid him to go and subsequently they hadn't had to give him any training for hostile environments see what I mean yeah just cut him loose yeah, they said, we're not going to send you, which I can understand. They thought, well, he's not experienced enough. We're not going to send him. And he went, well, I'm fucking going anyway. So you can either give me a letter, right, which will at least get me a press pass when I'm there, or mm. I can just fucking go completely rogue and I'll get into more trouble because I won't even have any official press accreditation. So I think that they gave it to him. But then when he got shot, they were like running around trying to cover their ass because they thought, fuck, we're responsible for him being there. But I don't think they were. They, he would have. He would have gone anyway because he was fucking hardcore. Clearly, a lot more hardcore than me. Yeah. And I was. I was he sat there worried about my sausages, and he was out there just fucking trying yeah. to seek truth on the front line. And uh, yeah, it's really sad whenever I think about that. I don't. I really don't know why I've told that story. I just sort of started talking about war journalism and stumbled into it. Well, that's 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 that's, that's war for you. War has many threads, mm. doesn't it? I mean, we can end up calling this episode Sausages of War, probably. Um, Did you see that horrible clip of the, the bloke in the Ukraine who's saying goodbye to his daughter? Because you're not allowed I to leave. didn't, because what I'm doing is I am not looking at rolling news at yeah. all. I'm not looking at Twitter very much. I had a look at the, tw- the 10 o'clock BBC News last night. I started to watch that. And in the opening, um, the intro bit, Clive Myrie, yeah. who's better Good known lad. as presenter and mastermind these days, yeah. which is a very, very sausage-heavy job, I believe, yeah. presenter of mastermind. Yeah. B- b- fucking sausages in the green room that's and in the, the dressing room. Life. See, that's the life I would have liked. If I'd stayed as a presenter, yeah. that's where I, I would want to be mastermind with all of the sausages I could eat. All the sausages, mm. yeah. Uh, I mean, Magnus Magnuson initiated that. He had it put in his contract when he did it mm. back in the 70s, and it's still it's part of the fabric of the He said he had a dream, a vision of a show that yeah. could basically support his sausage habit forevermore. And that's where Mastermind came from. And i tell you who else was into he, it, but he got the idea because they were good mates. Bamba Gascoigne, RIP. Yeah, yeah, University Challenge. He loved yeah. the sausage. Yeah. I mean, Magnuson said he wanted to marry the twin worlds of um, sausages and intellectual curiosity. <laughs> yeah. But he said he wasn't that fussed about the sausages being on screen I think originally it was going to be called Sausage Mind yeah and like every all the time questions they would be to, sausage they related got a question, no every time they got a question correct a segment of sausage on a cocktail stick would be presented to them yeah. in lieu of a point so it was about collecting pieces of sausage and but it, then when you won he would throw a cooked sausage at your captain you got to wear one of those Cumberland sausages around your neck <laughs> when you became the champion at the end of the series but then the BBC bosses kind of said we don't really see what relevance the sausages have got here? Let's just strip it back to the, the intellectual curiosity and the, uh, the the questions and all that. So Magnus so, was like, "Fine, that's fine by me, but I still I'll want still my fucking it, sausages." Yeah, and Marmaduke was like, "Fine, all right, whatever. You can have your sausages, but I can't stress this enough. I don't want the sausages seen or even talked about on on air." And Magnuson went, "Deal." He said, look, the sausages are baked in. He says, the contract for this show, you change the format all you want. The contract for this show says 200 sausages will be delivered and cooked for every episode. So it's up to you. We can have them on stage or we can have them in my dressing room. I'm not bothered. So, if anything, well, it's better for me to eat them in private because I'm a very private sausage eater anyway, by nature. Always have been. I don't want to share them. So whatever. 
I was from a big Icelandic family and, you know, me and my siblings, we'd fight over sausages like cat and dog. So I would, if I got managed to get hold of a sausage, I would very often disappear into my own room and eat it alone <laughs> under a blanket listening to the World Service. <laughs> now, going forward, we have 200 sausages coming in every week. I'm prepared to give two each to each of the contestants. That's eight. That leaves me with 192, right? I'll have... Maybe 30 on the night. That leaves 162 for me to take up. I can quite easily snack on cold sausages throughout the rest of the week. No problem. Then, before you know it, we're back in the studio again. Start of a new week, new show. Brilliant. Where do I sign? Next question. <laughs> and that's the story of my sausages. And when it came to an end, and, then, and they put John Humphreys in charge, he inherited the sausage deal. And so too, old Clivey boy. Old Clivey boy. And he said, are we keeping the name Sausage Mind? <laughs> no? Fair enough, Fine. whatever. All right. It really, I really can't. I couldn't care less at this stage, you know. I came up with that, though, so I'm keeping that. I might use that on something <laughs> I'll else. I'll sell it elsewhere. Day. I'll sell it to, in, to Turkish TV or something like that. They'll buy out. I could, I could take that on the after-dinner circuit. <laughs> <laughs> but Clive Byrie mm. uh, did the first link at the top of the 10 o'clock news last night. Mm. And just before he went to the, the, the video report a fucking tear rolled down his cheek fuck off really seriously yeah yeah well, there's footage of it on Twitter yeah. I mean I, I'm a big fan of Clive Myers. I think he's great he's but, great isn't he but I don't I, I don't know whether he should have cried <laughs> <laughs> but, but he mental choice. health advocate Sam Delaney <laughs> nah I don't want to say crying on the, on the news <laughs> there's no place for it is it no the, you know like because it's like you have to Try, uh, you know, when you're a journalist, you have to do try and keep your emotion out of it. I mean, there was a young yeah. lad who, when we were watching the inauguration of, when I was working at Talk Radio, and on the day of the inauguration of Donald Trump, we all went to the pub after work. I think it was a Friday, and everyone was in in the pub, and it was all journalists in there. And in the corner of the pub on the screen, there was Trump, you know, with his hand up and his other hand on the Bible, fucking being sworn in as president. Mm. And uh, people have got half an eye on it, but, you know, just getting drunk or whatever. I looked round, this young lad, he was fucking crying his eyes out. And I went to him, what? what are you crying for, mate? And he went, I can't believe he's president. And I know this is awful, but I laughed and laughed and laughed. <laughs> and then I did I feel bad. Mental health advocate. Yeah, I did feel bad as a mental health advocate for laughing at a man who was crying. But I just thought, I, I genuinely thought he was joking. I just sort of thought, I thought he can't be fucking crying that Trump's president. I mean, I know it's a shame that he's president, but there's no point crying over it. But, you know, anxiety. He wasn't crying comes, with joy. He wasn't crying maybe, with joy. Maybe he was a big Trump fan. Yeah, maybe that was it. He's like, I can't fucking, fucking believe it. I love Home Alone too. And I, ever since I saw that movie, I thought, that cunt's destined for the top. And now look, I was right. <laughs> Followed them all the way, all the way through Gremlins Two, and <laughs> probably some other sequels. <laughs> oh no, he wasn't in Gremlins Two. No, People always in, keep saying this. I he think was, he was just... character in there was based on him, wasn't he? Yeah, yeah. Anyway, so anyway, so that's war. Cried. That's war fully covered, fully and frankly covered. That's war, uh, and I think you're um, right to avoid the news. I I haven't been watching much of it. I've been seeing things pop up on Twitter. Um, and I, mean, I, I think I'm it probably, from a mental health perspective, actually, you know, yeah. listen, it's horrible, 
but following it on a daily basis and letting the anxiety yeah. build. I mean, I remember when the Gulf War broke out, I was 16 and I, I got really obsessed with watching stuff on TV about it. And I became convinced that I sort of got really bad anxiety. I was convinced that it was going to explode into something that would eventually affect us here and that we might get conscripted, you know, because mm-hmm. the, the other thing is, is that the news media have to talk about this all day, every day. And as a result, there are a million and one different fucking theories and scenarios outlined, right? Yeah. To fill up the time. And you can e- and you can easily start only hearing the stuff that's the worst case scenario. And basically, yeah. what's the point? It's horrible. It's ugly. It's a nasty business. But we need to just get on with with our life and keep our head down. The r- rolling news is, is poisonous. I think mm. I've come to think that anyway. I mean, the rolling news doesn't need to exist for one thing, mm. and secondly, the kind of people who fill up rolling news programs aren't necessarily the kind of people that should be on screen commenting on things they're they're, they're the people who are available they're gobshites yeah yeah they're gobshites they're gobshites and I know because I've been on both sides of that I've been the gobshite and the the things that you get asked to comment upon are you you sometimes say I mean I've said to producers and they called me up you know like I just why are you asking me the world doesn't need Mm. to hear my opinion on this fucking subject right Mm -hmm. and they're sort of trying to convince you that that people do need to hear but the truth is they just want anyone who's available to come on air and talk for an allotted amount of time irrespective of what you fucking say do you know what i mean exactly and it's um and that's it it's just air filling it's air filling and it fills the world with too many fucking dangerous and unsightly thoughts so 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 yeah and the next few weeks are going to be really really rough So, so my advice personally is uh take it uh in as small doses as you can. Mm. Don't watch rolling news. Mm. Um, keep keep away from Twitter if you can. Yeah. Um, and just get your get your bulletins at ten o'clock or six o'clock in the evening or whatever, and just keep up with it. But don't fucking let it infest your mind because there's many many other things going on that you can um, keep yourself healthy with. I think that's a there re- you go. I think that's really really good advice, mate. There you go. Well. Not just a pretty face. Um, let's quickly do some predictions before we go. Is yeah. there anything else you wanted to bring into this forum? No, I think we've I think yeah. we've said quite enough. We've, we've, we've kept the sausage base, which I think is always That's good. I've also had an alert that says your phone's about to go flat, so yeah. we should probably finish. Um, Leeds versus Spurs, Sam. Two terrible, terrible teams. Oh, my God. I've got a feeling <laughs> Leeds might rally and win this 2-1. I mean... Uh, Conte, and I'm delighted that this has happened, has lost his fucking mind already. He's only been there a few months. He's gone mental and he can't stop saying how shit Tottenham are. It's amazing. (laughs) I I, I was probably punching the air when I woke up to see his quotes after the Burnley game. He's like, mate, you've only just lost to Burnley. I mean, it's not that big of a fucking deal. The club's shit. I don't know what I'm doing here. Everything is awful. They should just let me go home and have my sausages. (laughs) <laughs> oh, one nil so leads good. one nil to leads um, I thought you'd already said 2-1 to leads oh. you're saying one nil though 3-2 Tottenham I can't what, stop saying that, predictions 2-1 no, leads 2-1 leads 2-1 leads I think uh, I think 1-1 one, one. I don't think either team's going to want to lose it uh, Brighton versus Aston Villa uh, footballing genius Graham Potter 
with his record of seven wins in 25 in the Premier League this season <laughs> versus Steven Gerrard's Aston Villa. I'll go first. Uh, I think this will be 2 1 to Villa. I think 2 1 to Villa as well. Uh, West Ham versus Wolves. Sunday afternoon, I think. Yeah. Well, I'm going to say 1 0. Oh. I think this. I think you'll win this one. I think we're two nil West Ham. Oh, yeah. uh, Wigan versus Sunderland. Uh, I think this will be uh, four nil to Wigan. <laughs> oh my god, he's reaching. Yeah. He's, he, you've gone. You've gone a bit Conte, haven't you? Ah, it's a fucking shit. <laughs> you shit team, shit players. I just wanted my sausages. I want to forget about football forever. Well, I, I, I don't know if I told you that last last weekend we played MK Dons, and their sub came on who was Connor Wickham. Oh, who played for us yeah. for a few years when we were in the Premier League and then he got a big money moved to Palace didn't work out got lots of injuries so he came off the bench as soon as he came off the bench I went and looked at the odds of him scoring the next goal 14 to 1 wow so I immediately had two quid on and what happened five minutes later yeah Connor Wickham I mean scores that's a goal. nailed on isn't it yeah well well when done the fun stops stop but at the same time that was fun um, yeah 4-0 Wigan I reckon oh, I'll say 1-0 one all, all right. And Millwall versus Sheffield United. Oh my god! How do I predict a game like this? <laughs> Fuck me! I always predict Millwall to lose, but I think this week, in an era where I've already called for Millwall to be deployed to take out Putin, because I think I hate to say it or give them any praise, but I think they're the guys for the job. They're the men for the job. Well, yeah. they're stealthy, yeah. aren't they? They're stealthy and sneaky, and they're yeah. they're brutal. And I just think... To catch a cunt, send a cunt. Yeah, it's exactly like in Demolition Man. That's what they say. To catch a cunt, you've got to send a cunt. And i tell you what else as well. So what you like about Millwall, they are game. So if they get the call from the foreign office, they'll be like, yeah, no problem, mate. We'll go over and give him a smack bottom. Right. Yeah. Um, so I'm going to say, I'm going to break with all tradition because I obviously hate Sheffield United as well. And I'm going to say one all. Diplomatic. Uh, I think this will be uh, 1-0 to Millwall. There we go. That is the predictions. That's the episode. You've been listening to Sausages of War. Thank you very much. Goodbye. Goodbye. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. 